I'm Andrew from the Dad.io podcast. Life supplies the inputs and we supply the outputs. Part of the Going to Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic and amazing geeky shows at goingtogeeknetwork.com. You are listening to PopX Cast, where science fiction meets pop culture. Captain's Log Supplemental. PopX Cast. Hasta la vista, baby. Welcome to Pop X, where science fiction meets pop culture. I am Austin Berg, the Appalachian Geek at Heart. We would like to welcome everyone joining us live in the PopX.live chat room. Come hang out with us and join the conversation at PopXCast.com. If this is your first time tuning into PopX, the first 20 minutes or so, we run down the headlines since our last show, and then we dive into the show topic at the halfway point. Stick around. Geeky goodness is coming your way. First off, I am joined by the always lovely and talented Joseph Berg. Joe, how you doing? Man? <laughs> <laughs> look at him. Look at him. He's so lovely. Look at his beautiful voice. No, I'm just actually messing with you. Dude, I am so excited to be here tonight. It's, it's really cool. Uh, we're, we're having some crazy torrential downpour thunderstorms here in Central Florida right now. And as like I can literally in my headphones hear like thunder all around me. And it's That's like, how I started you know, my day. Yeah, thunder. Oh, feel the thunder. Lightning yeah. and the thunder. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I'm your host, Joseph Burke, Central Florida seasoned comic book nerd and retro enthusiast. Now, be sure to head over to Google Play or iTunes after the show and click on that subscribe button for us and catch up on some amazing shows from the PopX archive. And while you're there, we'd certainly appreciate you showing us some love by leaving us a five-star rating and review. Yes, indeed. And I'm Lindsay Badger, your favorite geeky okey back again this week. I know you guys love hanging out with me. I love hanging out with you. Oh, it's mutual. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Well, if you guys happened to miss last week's episode, it was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. We talked about a couple of different things. Episode 95, we covered Brightburn and John Wick 3. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We even talked a little bit about the Batman. 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 <laughs> yeah. In a world. Uh, make sure you go over to our official website and check out that episode and all of our other great past episodes from the Pop X's collective archive of geeky goodness. Yeah. Trying to turn my rotary fan off right here behind me, and I'm like, <laughs> it's awkward. Stop it. So, how have you guys been? What? How? How has your week been? How has Team Pop X? How have you like changed the world this week? Oh. oh. Um, well, we kicked off summer this week. This was our very first, like... Did it hurt <laughs> when you kicked it? Bit, but, um, and we, we've, I think this is technically week two. So we, okay. Like, dove in head first of all the kids' activities. You, head first? Did you wear a helmet? Black pads and all the things. So I, She's totally I've ignoring been, me right now. I, yeah. She's totally ignoring me right now. I am, yes. <laughs> I've got that mom vibe. Oh, okay, going. okay. So does that make me the toddler, Lindsay? <laughs> Only at really? Times, oh, not all right. <laughs> well played, Jedi. Well played. 
Let her play. Yeah. So it's well, been a lot of fun this week, and there's more fun to come. So you've been kicking off summer. I saw that your son graduated up to green belt this he weekend. He did. He advanced Whoa. to the next level, green stripe. Very nice. Look, is is his sensei Mr. Miyagi? He should be. He's super amazing with kids. I think he has superpowers. Well, we all know that. Look at his mother. Oh, no. No. The mom has good genes right there. I don't care who you are. That was pretty odd. That's all the feels. All the feels, Sarah Slay. Let's stop and pause. Suck it in. Anyway, Austin, how has your week been? Man, good. I just soaking in a lot of Netflix and watching a lot of movies and doing the, doing the thing. I did hit uh, 30K on YouTube right before the show started. So 30,000? Milestone. Milestone, bro. Wow. That's uh, pretty freaking awesome there. Congratulations, Birkinator, for hitting 30K on YouTube. That's uh, that's a pretty big milestone. I'm very proud of you, man. Team Pop X is too, I'm sure. But uh, that's pretty pretty freaking rad. Well, I'm excited because, you know, officially summer is here, Central Florida. It is very, very warm in the state of Florida right now. It's very, very moist and very rainy. I know a lot of people don't like that word. They're like, ew, Pop X just said that word moist. That's disgusting. Anyway, so. (laughs) All righty. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for some news. So let's kick off uh, the Pop X news and let's get this thing underway. Don't go nowhere. Headlines is coming up now. Extra, extra. Read all about it. This is Pop X News coming to you live right here on PopXCast.com. All right, so leading off the news this week, um, this one has really got me so stinking puzzled, dude. I, I don't understand this, and I yes, I did watch the pilot. Swampy fans, I am literally feeling for all of you right now because I have seriously been waiting 20 years for this saga <laughs> to release, and it's really good. Swamp Thing made its big debut on the DC Universe on May 31st, garnering a good bit of positive buzz about the live-action series. But then on Wednesday, on that Wednesday, just Mm -hmm. days before the release of Swamp Thing's second episode, came some pretty crazy, shocking news. The series had been canceled. (laughs) I don't even get this. So leaving fans to wonder what the heck happened to kill the promising series. As it turns out, the fans aren't alone in their questions either. Series executive producer and Aquaman's director, James Wan himself, has questions too. And uh, a post shared that was on Instagram on Saturday, Wan told his followers that he doesn't fully know or understand what happened with the Swamp Thing cancellation, but that everyone should go and watch and enjoy the 10 episodes of the first and possibly only season of the series. As he put it, not only did the cast, crew, and those involved with the series work very hard on it, but Swampy deserves it. Indeed. Mm. He deserves oh, some love. That's so sad. So I'm a little bit like torn on this one. I mean, the the, am, the 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 pilot was great, dude. The first, uh, I mean, pilot was great. I watched episode two on, on Friday. It was great. This series is getting critical acclaim. I mean, everyone that that seems to be soaking it in is loving it. I don't understand. I had heard a rumor, something about a tax break that didn't end up going their way, like thirty that's million dollars. But it, it turned out that. 
that wasn't a confirmed story. That was just something circulating within. So we don't right. know what actually happened. But this is a show that requires a lot of CGI, maybe a lot more than DC wants. But still, you have that much acclaim, and fans are loving the show. I, dude, this sucked. I mean, this straight up I, – I love the show so far. So this is disappointing. Yeah, I'm not – I'm torn on it, man. Why would you create something so great that's, you know, you think about it, it it's it's shot almost like a dark Christopher Nolan film, the way yes. the cinematic scenes are set up. It's very yes. good. I mean, some of the shots actually remind me of Handmaid's Tale on how yes. they get those weird angled shots. And I'm sitting here watching, I'm like, man, this is really well done. And then two days later, I'm like, what? You canceled yeah. this series? Are you serious? <laughs> are you kidding me right now? So I'm a huge Swamp Swamp Thing fan. I mean, anybody that knows me, uh, I always, I don't know why. I guess when I was a child, I watched Swamp Thing 1 and 2 on the movies. And then in the 90s, we had the Swamp Thing series on USA Networks, which kind of like really created this cool vibe. And I've always dug Swamp Thing. He's always been a really cool thing. And I just love the nature of the character. He's humble, but then at the same time, he can use nature as a force of, of reckoning. And um, it was just really sad. I, I don't know. I, anybody got any more thoughts on on that? Why why they would why would DC and Warner Brothers pull this if it's doing so well? Why would they pull something that's actually you know? It, it really makes. It, I saw this meme on the internet this week, and I have to share this. So it's like, oh wait, let's let's um, be like Marvel, uh, not be like Marvel, and when something's going really well, let's just pull it. And, and it's just to, yeah. the total everything that Marvel's doing. Let's do the opposite. So let's create something really good. But then when it goes great, let's just pull it and yank it because we don't want that. We want crap. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep, that sounds Man. about right. And one thing that gets me too is if Swamp Thing is going down, and this is one of the most critically acclaimed shows, could it be the show or could it be the DC streaming platform in general? Because I, I have a feeling that not as many people subscribe to that platform as they wanted. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Doom Patrol. I know Titan Season 2 is already filming, but in about a year and a half, if we're still uh, subscribed to that platform, I, I think I'm going to be surprised because I just don't think it's doing very well. I really don't. I don't think DC Universe is doing very well either. I think they should have no. merged with either Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime and some other giant um, you know, production house to be able to carry this through and, and going in on your, on your own, I think they may have probably went over budget. Honestly, yeah. I think yeah, I uh, from, from, from what I'm, I've gathered in my own hypothesis. Yes. But anyway, moving along in the world of news. Well, let's go from something sad to uh, something really controversial. So this is a warning prior. This is warning. a controversial topic. So let's, uh, let's refrain ourselves, kids. Okay. So <laughs> Connecticut governor, Ned Lamont is pushing for Disney, Netflix, and AMC to come to the state after the media giants express reservations over strict abortion laws being considered in Georgia. Connecticut's Hartford Courant reports Lamont and Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewicks penned letters to Disney CEO Bob Iger, the man, Netflix Chief Content Officer Ted Sarandos, uh, and AMC President and CEO Josh Sapan urging the three companies to consider Connecticut's growing media industry as the future site for their high-profile productions, which include The Walking Dead and Marvel Studios films. That's the biggie. Mm -hmm. Uh, We applaud Disney's recent condemnation of the new legislation enacted in Georgia and other states to severely curb women's reproductive rights, reads letter addressed to Iger. 
We wholeheartedly agree with and support your position and know that this calls into question the viability of doing business in these states. We urge you to consider Connecticut. So Iger previously told the routers, uh, the studio, which has already produced the top three films of 2019 mm -hmm. thus far, would find it very difficult to continue filming in Georgia should the state put into effect a new law that would ban abortions if a fetal heartbeat can be detected. So what do you guys think of AMC and Disney pulling out of Georgia and going to Connecticut? Well, I, I, you know, I will chime in on that first, and then, Lindsay, I'd love to hear your commentary as well. I think it's, uh, I, th I think these big production companies have the right to go and do what they think is, is just and right, not only for their production team and crew, but the moral compass is, in, is intact here as well. Uh, PopEx neither agrees nor disagrees with anything that Georgia is doing right now in terms of movie and film production and state legislature laws, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but um, this would be a huge hurt to the state of Georgia if all these film production companies did push out. Now, if you think about it, look at it, every time you watch the credits to a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, Marvel Studios uh, specifically, even Fox Studios, uh, yeah. right when they get to that, the logos at the end of the credits, mm -hmm. Georgia, Big right there. I mean, proud and, 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 and prominent. And so I think it would be a, I mean, you got Pinewood Studios. Uh, Pinewood Studios is a huge, it's like 250 some acre lot of just yeah. massive warehouses. And we're talking millions of cubic feet of warehouse space for these film companies to come in and set up their sets. Um, does Connecticut provide that kind of space and that kind of accommodations uh, as opposed to Atlanta, Georgia? I don't know. I don't really know. I'm on the fence about it. But um, whatever decision Iger and team and, and Netflix and all these guys make, I'm sure it's going to be one that's going to be viable and it's going to be one that's going to be good for the company. So, Lindsay, what's your take on all this? Um, I think that um, when you know a company overall makes their final decision on the fact um, of whether they are going to move or not. The location is definitely going to be highly researched. Mm -hmm. They're going to make sure yeah. that not only the economy will be able to support the people, but they're also going to be considering, how, you know, the impact that it's going to have on the area and also their needs as well, I right. assume. So there's going to be a lot of research coming into play, um, Beyond more than just the political stuff, it's Correct. going to be more business oriented, yeah. Centered, yeah, centered in what's best for their company to thrive and continue being the best that they can be in the industry. Well said, well yeah. said. So, and I think it with may the, not be Connecticut. I'm sure they have other offers on the table as oh, well. I'm sure. And if they don't yet, they will. You think about Atlanta too. <laughs> Atlanta is one of the the largest airport accommodations in the world. Um, there's more flights landing and taking off at one time in Atlanta than there is in most major metropolitan cities. Right. And it's, it's unfathomable to even think that. Yeah. So the, the, the community, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the travel, uh, for, for actors and crew to get in and out of Atlanta is a lot more streamlined because they're prepared for that. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas opposed to a smaller state like Connecticut, you're kind of like, all right, so were you going to put a million square foot warehouse? Uh, yeah. where's that going to go? Yeah, so, but we'll see how that plays out. And like I said, PopEx is, we're, we're not going to get into the political part of that, but Too I think it's... Too early to tell on this one, but it is very interesting. It is. I can't wait to it see is. how that one I agree. Know, ends up. Yeah. Well, right. um, 
Should we move on? To yes, ma'am. <laughs> Tonight's kind of X-Men feeling yeah. anyways. Mm -hmm. um, over two decades ago, X-Men, the animated series, wrapped up its five season or fifth season on Fox. Um, the show widely credited for introducing X-Men to non-comic fans and paving the way for the eventual movie. Now, if the creative team behind the series has their way, the original X-Men series could get a comeback. Mm. Yeah, yeah, buddy. My inner child is screaming right now. I know, right? According to The Hollywood Reporter, the X-Men creative team is planning a pitch for, the, for Disney about an on-screen continuation of the series, perhaps a season of TV that keeps the aesthetic of the show. <laughs> the one thing that we'd like to do more than anything else is to continue where we left off, said Ooh. Larry Houston, a writer, a producer, and artist who was the one driving the creative forces behind X-Men, the animated series. I like they're trying to pick up where they left off and not completely start over because, I mean, five seasons of rehashing is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yes, I agree. but I, I think it's so crazy cool how they're wanting to pick up with the story right where it let, left off. I mean, mm -hmm. there was some pretty crazy storylines in that X-Men oh, yeah. franchise back in the day. I remember, you know, the Sentinels and it was just it was crazy and Magneto and the mutants against mutants and the mutants it's, against the political powers. And, and as the article said, it's very, very true. It connected the X-Men to non-fans. I had no clue about any of that until as a kid I was watching it because probably my brother made me next to the Ninja Turtles <laughs> or whatever, but I'm still thankful because yeah. now I, I understand and I have relevance to the storylines. And you appreciate it. Today. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, I think it's going to be really cool if they were, if they're able to successfully pick up where it left off. I mean, come on. It's going to be like, you know. Ready to say, if wait for it, wait for it. Show, they bring back the theme song. It's really a good so I mean, oh. that is seriously one of the best intros <laughs> ever scripted. I would watch it just for the freaking intro to hear the intro modernized. Dude, <sighs> do you know how when, when Marvel... <laughs> when they brought Spider-Man over to the MCU, you know how they kind of picked up his old theme song? Yeah. What if when they introduce the X-Men into the MCU, they it, they do, because that's kind of known as the X-Men theme it song is. at this point. It oh, is. They yeah. do like a Hans Zimmer version of like a, a composed version. Shut up and take my money. Where's my credit card at? Does he guys see my... Seriously. No, oh but really, God, though, guys. I mean, it would be so freaking hype if they would bring that back to the masses. And, I mean, it would, oh, my God. I, I don't watch a lot of cartoons in terms of, of, of that, but I would watch that and, and, yes. and enjoy every second of it. So, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. 100%. Oh, can we all just have a little sigh for X-Men, the animated series? Dude, yes. It's <sighs> the best. Larry Houston, we support you. Awesome. Oh One more time for you. <laughs> go, Larry, go. It's the best. All right. So anyway, uh, I can't even anymore. All right. So moving on. <laughs> 
Shazam was a massive hit for Warner Brothers and New Line and DC, so it was only a matter of time before they got the ball rolling on a follow-up. Now, however, it sounds like Billy Batson won't be coming back to theaters until after his arch enemy gets his own film. Now, according to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, Juan uh, Sierra has just signed on to direct Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the upcoming Black Adam movie. Now, uh, Colette Sarah made his feature directorial debut in 2005 with House of Wax. Eh. More recently, <laughs> I don't know about that one, he held the shark attack thriller The Shallows in 2016 and also directed the four action vehicles with Liam Nielsen, Unknown, Nonstop, Run All Night, and The Commuter. Uh, he's currently working on Disney's Jungle Cruise, based on the amusement park ride of the same name. So Johnson will appear in that film as well. So Black Adam has a director. It's a, <laughs> it's it's a questionable it's a director. Random, it's a random choice. It, um, it is. I would rather have Mel Gibson directing this thing than him. Oh, my God. It, yeah. At this point. A thousand percent, dude. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, though. He has the ties we see from Jungle Cruise to Dwayne Johnson. So I, I think yeah. Dwayne Johnson may have played a part in getting him on with this movie. Because, But for me, that bodes well for Jungle Cruise, right? If Warner Brothers has confidence in him working with Jane, Dwayne Johnson, I feel like Jungle Cruise is going to be a solid movie at least. So that kind of builds up his credentials. And then I think two of those Liam Neeson movies I thought were pretty good. The other two were like, oh, okay, but they're just like generic action thrillers. Let's see what he does, right? I'm kind of at this stage in my life to where I see these Robert Pattinson as Batman and this director's coming on. Who the heck is that guy? You just got to see how they do, right? Questionable decisions prior, but maybe he can come out and Russo Brothers it and knock it out of the park. Like Russo Brothers it. Is that a thing now? Yeah. I like, I, I, I like that. That's the thing. Now. Okay. Because we look at the Russo Brothers and they were known for their television comedy, True. right? And then True. they come in and they give us one of the best action superhero movies of all time. So this could be a, a nice turn yeah. for him as a director. I will I will agree with you on the influence Dwayne Johnson has on this decision because he, he's super active on Instagram, yeah. super yeah. active on Instagram. And he oh did like an entire, like almost a, <laughs> like a love fest for yeah. him one day. I was like, okay, I see where you're going with this. It's like this big, huge buildup right, of an announcement yeah. for the director. I was like, okay, all right. Sure. See. Well, we'll see. Glad you like it. Well, yeah. Dwayne, like it too. Dwayne's a very honorable kind of guy too. I, I mean, love him. Yeah, he's, he's so yeah. fun. I love all his diversity. He's so diverse in his acting. So I'm really excited to see he's him in kind of a dark villain years, role as Black Adam. Five. I think that's going to be fantastic seeing him in that I, role. I think Black Adam, I mean, my favorite role of his is Maui in Moana, right? Oh. So I think Black Adam could, <laughs> so could he's so good in that. But I think Black Adam could easily take that as his best performance yet because I think that's, He's been building that up in his career, and now he gets to hopefully knock it out of the park. So I, mm -hmm. I'm excited for that. Agreed. I think he could do really good. I really I agree. do. All right, so let's go from Black Adam to who you going to call Ghostbusters. Oh. Jason Reitman announced that he was developing a sequel to his father's Ghostbusters series. I think that's really cool, by it the way, is. passing down the mantle in a way. Uh, the door was open for the cast uh, from the original films to return. Now we know that Sigourney Weaver will be among them. The veteran actress recently confirmed to Parade Magazine that she will once again play Dana Barrett in the new film. Uh, the last time Weaver appeared as Dana was in Ghostbusters 2 in 1989. Sometime between the first two movies, Dana and Bill Murray's Peter Venkman uh, had broken up and she gave birth to a son named 
Oscar. Uh, mm-hmm. By the end of the second film, Dana and Peter had rekindled their romance. Weaver returned to the Ghostbusters world in the female-centric reboot in 2016. She made a brief appearance as the mentor uh, of Kate McKinnon's Jillian Holtzman. Surprisingly, Weaver might not be the only actor returning to the franchise next summer. Parade's article notes that she's set to reunite with Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in the sequel. Does this get you guys excited? All we need there now is, no is Annie Potts. There is only gruel. We need, <laughs> we need Annie Potts and Rick Moranis. We need Annie yeah. Potts and Rick Moranis to complete the, yes, the, he the, has to be in there at least as a cameo part or something. Yeah, please I, make that happen. So Rick Moranis' story is so interesting because you know the guy completely pushed off Hollywood and retired from yeah. for yeah. acting because of what happened to his wife. He had to go take yes. care of his children, which we understand that. But wouldn't it be just so sweet to the thing that pulls him out? is Ghostbusters. Like, how yeah. sweet would that be? I'd rather it be Dark Helmet from Spaceballs, but Ghostbusters would be nice. So yeah. I, I'm excited. I think that would be really cool. I've always been a huge Rick Moranis fan. Even, I mean, awesome. I mean, I followed him when he was on Laugh-In back in the day, which the Canadian, uh, yes. you remember Laugh-In? Yes. Uh, CCTV, uh, Canadian comedy TV. Uh, he was on there. That's when John Candy, Rick Moranis, that's a bunch of those Canadian actors. That's when they first Best. got their, oh, dude, if you've never seen those those kinds of shows, yeah. you need to go back and, and, and rediscover your comedic roots because there's some awesome yeah. stuff in there. Oh, my God. But I'm excited. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great. And I think that um, the fact that Scorny Weaver has already agreed to come back, thats that tells you right there. It's not just going to be one of those really quick, short roles, too. She's probably going to have a multiple camera role. And I'm happy about that. Anytime I see Sigourney Weaver on cam, it's a good day. I agree. It's a good day. So, where are we at here? Um, is it, is, I think it's me next, right? Lucifer. Lucifer. I get to Damn. speak about Beelzebub. Here we go. <laughs> so, it was in the air, and now it's official. Lucifer will see one more and the final season. Now, the series premiered on Netflix last month with a fourth season while the first three aired on Fox who canceled the show in 2018. Now, the fans will get the chance to see how Lucifer Morningstar concludes his journey. We're thrilled that Lucifer fans around the world have embraced the series on Netflix and we can't wait to give them the big finish that they've all been waiting for, Netflix said in a statement. We're, uh, they went on to say again, on quote, we're so incredibly thankful for, to Netflix for resurrecting our show last season and now letting us finish the story of Lucifer on our own terms, end quote. Lucifer executive producers uh, Italy um, Madorvich and Joe Henderson also said, most importantly, we want to thank the fans for their incredible passion and support. The best is yet to come. Mm. All right, so... Uh, have you followed Lucifer, Austin? Have you, is that I, I have. I'm actually more recent in this because I knew the show was coming to Netflix, and I said, well, I'm going to have to do a review on it. So I caught up. I, I watched every season uh, throughout probably like a six-month span. You know what? It's a really good show. And, and I think Netflix actually gave us one of the best seasons yet. Uh, their season was a bit more gritty. Uh, it was a bit darker. Lucifer went in a different direction, but he's still the, the charming, suave guy, one of the coolest characters on television. So... I really like what they did, and I think the fact that now fans wanted more than another season. They wanted multiple more seasons, but we know Netflix, they can't really afford to keep all these shows afloat that right. are Stranger Things and Mind Hunters. So I get it, but they're, they're giving us one final season, the final season that the fans want. So nice. I'm excited. I think, it'd be re- I think it could be really cool. Very nice. And not to speak in the final season, Jessica Jones also is coming uh-huh. up. 
Yep. And speaking yep. of Jessica Jones, Austin mm-hmm. Burke. All right. So we are just a few days away from the release of the third and final season of Marvel's <laughs> Jessica Jones. Netflix, <laughs> Netflix has now released the full first full trailer revealing that Gregory Salinger, is, am I saying that I right? think so, Salinger, yeah. Uh, is the one who tries to expose Jessica Jones as a cheater and a fraud. The trailer opens up with a presentation of the classic Marvel villain who will lock horns uh, with the damaged private detective in the upcoming season. You can't control yourself, Salinger says to Jessica. You have you have no discipline, uh, just brute force, he adds. Then, when Jessica asks him what he wants, he chillingly replies, I want you to die. Additionally, we got a glimpse of Trish Walker uh, in action as Hellcat and the revelation that Jerry Hogarth is the one responsible for getting Salinger out of prison. Jessica Jones' final season and the finality, wow, of the Marvel Universe on Netflix launches June 14th. So I'm, you know, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. I don't know. As much time as we invested in Trish Walker, we better see some Hellcat. Yeah, I need to see the costume. I need to see the costume because the costume is pretty awesome. Can we not focus anymore on some random, you know, character and just focus on Jessica? Yes, that'd be great. That'd be super great. I think honestly, though, the best the best villain out of all the Marvel franchises was the Jessica Jones villain of the Purple Man in season one. I thought the buildup of that character. I I think it overshadowed Daredevil. It overshadowed the Punisher. Definitely. David Tennant, Lindsay, you David, were just talking David. about him from Good Omens. Yes, yeah. yes. David I Tennant. Like, I was pretty sure that that was him. Yeah. And yes, and uh, does anybody know where David Tennant movie. got his start? Mm-hmm. Where did you he get his start? Doctor Who. I think he was one of the best too. I mean, the yeah. guy's just—he's a, a class A performer. He does not get enough roles in Hollywood. Agreed. I just, I was talking at the pre-show. I was talking to him about Good Omens. Uh, that that was a really great show. I just finished watching it last it's night. Great. It's on it Amazon is. Prime. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the Russo brothers. Lindsay Badger. I know you saved this one for me. I did. Here it you has go. A special place in my family. Here heart. you go, girl. This is this is right <laughs> up your alley. So go for it. All right. After twenty-six years of success, magic. The Gathering is getting its first screen adaptation thanks to Netflix and the Russos. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the co-directors of The Avengers Endgame will serve as executive producers of the animated series based on the popular card game. Created in 1993 by Wizards of the Coast, Magic will Magic helped launch an immense wave of collectible cards in the game popularity. We have been huge fans and players of Magic the Gathering for as long as it has been around. So being able to help bring these stories to life through animation is a true passion project for us, stated Joe and Anthony Russo. My husband is, to say obsessed. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, what was your, I know your husband is a huge collector and has multiple decks. He is beyond obsessed, Okay. okay? He has like decks of decks over here it's like decks insane. of decks ladies and gentlemen. Decks, decks upon decks. decks upon decks of cards how does he have a big deck he's got to big we deck. have those it, jokes all the time let's just say that he has a wait backpack. that didn't sound good at all did it no <laughs> no i just realized what to I said. Keep it family friendly. no i just realized what i said and i didn't i was like we're oh, gonna mm, not unpack that no well it's not <laughs> <laughs> he has a, he has a backpack that he carries oh. to the comic book 
or that should probably have its own insurance policy because Whoa. it has that much value on it. Okay, wow. it, he's a little bit obsessed. So as soon as I saw that headline fly through, I sent him the link, and I think he might have peed himself. <gasps> wow, he was like doing backflips at work. He was now, so excited. I have to ask you, Lindsay, is your husband yes. one of those guys when he's playing the game and it's all getting intense, does he reach down and pull out that one magical card that's probably worth $1,000 and he goes, boom. Does he nail it out? Yeah. He has decks that are built that way, for sure. Oh, wow. I, I would say that that's, yeah. he's got a couple of those. I saw that one values. time at my local comic book shop right here in front of me that was watching a magic magic game going on one night. It was on a Sunday evening. And this kid pulled out this card. It was like a chase card, and there was only yeah. so many made. And he pulled it out, and everybody in the comic shop went, "What? Jeez, yeah." yeah. yeah. I was like, "Well." Um, I have actually watched because I am the 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 awesome wife that I am. I will not play card games with him. I just can't. I can't get myself to that level. But I will watch documentaries with him. I know more about Magic: The Gathering than probably. The we Amazon. shall call you the caretaker. Oh, yes, you like that, don't you? He actually asked me, he's like, are you going to watch it with me? Did he really ask you that? He's like, maybe after you learn about the backstory, you'll want to play the games with me. I was like, yeah, I'll watch it with you, but that's probably not going to happen at the end. Oh, <laughs> boy. how it goes. Well, you know what? The Russo brothers are just all over the place right now. I know. I was so 21 Bridges. Russo. 21 Bridges like, coming out here in a couple of weeks. Yes. yes. Can't wait. They're just excited. I mean, that movie. Have you seen the trailer for 21 Bridges, Austin? Looks, Lindsay? It looks great. Like, it looks straight. They're, they're producing. Oh, like, my gosh. It looks incredible. Right now is almost as good as their directing game. And here, here's what I'll say to you, Lindsay. The last time the Russo brothers were passionate about a project, it was the four movies they directed in the MCU, and they're well, all four. Let great. me tell you that the storyline for Magic the Gathering is kind of similar to how the Marvel storyline goes. So even though it's a different realm and universe and characters, okay. it's going to have kind of that same vibe. I have interesting. Well, I so think I, I think it's I, a great. I think different it, realms and planes and characters traveling cool. between them all. And when all when all a cultural icon leaves an impact big enough, like Magic: The Gathering, which is a card game that can spawn something to be created on Netflix, you know it's got to be culturally adequate to be able to do all it's that. Gonna be, it's going to yeah, be. It's going to be a massive show. Well, listen, um, we are at the nine thirty five mark. We got twenty five minutes, and we're going to actually stop right there with the news, and we are going to go on into. Dark Phoenix, and we're going to spend a little bit of time before we hit into Dark Phoenix. We're going to actually talk a little bit about Godzilla and uh, the King of the Monsters as well, just to kind of hit on that just for really briefly. But uh, we're going to be talking about some spoilers, and so when we do that, you know what happens. we got to roll the spoiler alert, so don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. So if you've not seen Godzilla or you've not seen Dark Phoenix, this might be your time to bounce. To enter a Pahapax spoiler alert. Beyond this point, there is no return. You have been warned. You have been warned. That's all I can say. I mean, beyond this point. So let's let's talk a little bit briefly um, about um, uh, God. I know, I know Lindsay didn't see uh, Godzilla, but you and I did, Austin. So we're gonna we're gonna just really quickly, really quickly. Um, I'll, I'll share just a couple minutes. I thought that Godzilla, the cinematically, CGI, some of the best CGI I've ever seen probably in a production in a long while, especially I could compare it up to Avengers Endgame, possibly. 
uh, some very cinematic moments. Storyline, eh. Storyline was not as lackluster as I wanted it to be. There was a lot of plot holes. There was a lot of like weird setups that didn't even need to be there. And it took forever to get the Titans battling. Uh, there was like 45 minutes of just human dialogue back and forth. And it was just like, oh, we're in Tokyo. Oh, we're, we're down here. Oh, we're in, and now we're in Mexico. Oh, we're on the, the Continental Divide. Oh, wh- wh- okay, I understand that there's multiple Titans all over the Earth, but all right, so what's the setup here? What are you trying to do? Um, they did, one thing I did like about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is it directly tied into uh, Godzilla, which was the film with Brian Cranston back in 2014, I believe it was, mm-hmm. 2015. And uh, it was it literally picks up just months right after that. And so you see the calamity of, 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 of the destruction of San Francisco and all that stuff as well. Um, but for me, I thought the story was a little C-. minus. Uh, the CGI and the actual battle itself, probably a good B+. And uh, so I thought that it was uh, definitely good. Now, am I telling you it's a bad movie? No, I'm saying go see it. If, you want, if you're into that and you want to see that, it's definitely something that will be, you'll be happy when you get out of the theater because it's, like, yeah. it's, it's overwhelming. But storyline, there was a lot of plot holes for me. Austin, what did you think about it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I did not like the storyline at all. I thought the human characters were all dumb. They were written horribly. Uh, I, I just didn't care. They focused so much on that family relationship, and it was just, uh, and everybody, I mean, was telling me, because, I mean, people are loving this movie. Audiences are, are really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone was telling me, not box office-wise, it's, it's doing kind of bad at the box office domestically, but mm-hmm. everyone was telling me in my comments, they're like, Austin, it's not about the humans. It's not about the, the storyline. It's about the monsters, right? So why why do you care so much? My big issue was that the human storyline, you'd get, you know, 30 seconds of the monsters battling. And when that was happening, my brain was exploding because it was awesome. Yes. And they cut away. Yeah. And they go back to the humans and then they come back to the monsters. Yeah, great. And then they cut away again. It's like, stop. I don't care about that because you've given us horrible human <laughs> characters and bad storylines and just, it's just really poor, right? It's a, it's a yeah. bad movie from that perspective. But in terms of the CGI, the looks of the battle, mm. some of the shots, I mean, the shot of Ghidorah, with the cross in the foreground, I thought was beautiful. And I think the color correction in this movie, some of the best that I've seen all year. So on a technical level, I think it's great. On a story level, I think it's bad. So at the end of the day, I think the movie itself is average. But if you want to see the monster battles and the great effects, I mean, I would encourage you guys to even see this in IMAX because it's an IMAX kind of movie because that will do nothing but enhance the film because the visuals are by far the best part. So I, I'm, I'm in the same camp as Joe. I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. I just think the human storyline brings it down so far, and they wasted great actors like Vera Farmega and Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, I, I Millie, I got, mean, yeah, she's... She I was going to ask you how she did. She did phenomenal. And, and I was. She was great, but her character, I mean, that, that's but everybody was great. Vera Farmega was great. Uh, uh, Kyle Chandler was great. But mm-hmm. their characters were written so poorly, it's like they didn't get anything to do. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the movie is worth seeing, but I, I wouldn't. Um, I, I would think I would just some kind of turn your brain off. <laughs> exactly. I would think at some point there needs to be a, a pulling of outsource uh, for this film. Like, can we can we get the writers who wrote the original Japanese versions to come in and write yes. the dialogue, and then have Please. America do the CGI? Why Dude. why can't there be a perfect union? I don't know. I don't get it. You, you've, you hit the nail on the head because I think these Godzilla movies have given us the best-looking Godzilla, 
the best looking and technically produced films, but the old ones have given us the best storylines, story the best lines. human characters. So we need a combination. We of need to the merge two, the world. Especially worlds. in the next one. Yep. Yes, I agree. I agree. Completely. And uh, just, you know, I was, uh, Sean, uh, before we move on to Dark Phoenix, Sean was actually uh, post over in the chat room. They did delay Godzilla versus yes, Kong. Did. And I'm not sure if the box office numbers are playing into that, which yeah. I'm suspecting yeah. they probably are. Yeah, but I will say this much that, uh, you know, looking at Godzilla, this is the meanest looking Godzilla. I mean, it just his grimace face is just like, It's my favorite Whoa. Godzilla. Yeah, dude, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Circus is doing the motion capture for Godzilla. <laughs> I'm telling awesome. you, I mean, it is freaking awesome, dude. Oh my goodness, that's funny. Awesome. But anyway, yeah. moving along. So, uh, if I was going to rate um, Godzilla versus Monster, let's do that right quick, Austin. I would day, yeah. I would say, fifty eight percent. Yeah, that's right along the lines. I'm going fifty two percent. I mean, okay. It's above a five, you know, for, for me, a five is complete middle of the road. I would go slightly over that because of the technical achievement, but yeah, I'm right there with you. Okay. Man. And we didn't even collaborate our, our scores. That's pretty cool. No, we didn't. <laughs> we really didn't. That's crazy. All right. Well, well, let's transition over into Dark Phoenix right now and, and talk about that. Um, so one of the things, and I have a note here and I have to write this, I have to talk about this note, but sometime when in our discussion, cause it's a huge plot hole that I had with this film. Now, overall, um, I thought that Jean Grey, her, her becoming the Phoenix and just everything in this film, it, it <laughs> oh man. I saw I saw a tweet that was written by the producers of this film. They said they were writing and rewriting the script on the set yep. during the filming. Oh no! Oh yes, Lindsay. Yeah. Yep. Having said that, all right. So so all right. So there is so many moving parts to the film that aren't congruent and cohesive. It just leaves you kind of like, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, it was rough. I mean, it, the visuals of 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 her becoming the phoenix was was amazing. It was astounding. Oh, yeah. uh, and I thought that there was no nod to any of the previous franchises whatsoever. This film was literally using the actors that played all the previous films from the first class series. And use them as like, well, let's just make this random off-the-wall movie using these actors as their portrayal characters, and let's just see what we can do with it. And there's no congruency. There's no fluidness. There's no saga completion. It doesn't... And so I, it's I'm gonna, almost like a standalone movie? It, yeah. it could very well be a standalone what? film. Now listen to this. Did anyone notice that the film totally ignored the events of the X-Men Apocalypse? Now to Thousand. recap... X-Men Apocalypse was primarily concerned with the return of the mutant demigod Apocalypse, who turned Magneto, Storm, Psylocke, and Angel into his four horsemen, and then they set about destroying the human world so that um, he could make the new world in the image of the mutants. Now, the film included a subplot about Professor X helping Jean Grey contain a powerful force buried deep within her that would be threatened to consume her during... Nightmares. Now, in the final of Apoc in the finale of Apocalypse, Professor X was forced to reverse course and encourage Jean Grey to release the force from within herself to harness its power to defeat Apocalypse. Now, this tactic proved successful, 
but left the X-Men and the X-Men fans to wonder if Professor X and Jean Grey were ready to reckon with the power that they had unleashed. Fast forward, Dark Phoenix. Let's just forget all about that. and Everything. <laughs> so uh, Jean Grey becomes the Phoenix because they have to do a space mission where one of the shuttles from NASA, something malfunctions with the navigational system, so the only people that could do it is Charles Xavier and the X-Men. So they send the X-Men up into space. Which oh, was cool. Which, which was really which rad, was cool. by the way. It was really cool. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, out of the cosmos comes this floating fire-looking thing. And... Was it Captain Marvel? <laughs> it kind of looked like the glowing. It, it, honestly, it was orange and red. It kind of looked like Captain Marvel. Go ahead. In a little bit. No, you about, go ahead. You go ahead. Go? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, they actually changed the ending to this movie because it was too similar to Captain Marvel. The end of this movie was originally supposed to be a space battle, and Jean Grey's character was presented way too similarly, similarly to Captain Marvel, so they changed it to a fight on a train. Yep. Uh, they could have yep. at least done something... Better well, than a train, but okay. Yeah. Okay, that's yep. different. All right, yeah. so so having known that, that's kind of weird. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. You know, so X Men Apocalypse, according to this film, did not even happen. No. So here's the X Men going to space. All right, so so they have to. They use Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler sees the space shuttle, and he's able to teleport him and the X Men in and in the spaceship that's spinning out of control. Navigational okay. system. It's 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 a NASA rocket. You know, you've seen the NASA shuttles like a, yeah. the Endeavor and Challenger and Discovery, and so it's just spinning. And so Nightcrawler gets in there, and they they fix the navigation controls, and all of a sudden this this like vortex flame looking thing starts coming towards the ship, and that is when Jean Grey is infected or merged with the entity of the phoenix and totally abandoning the entity of the phoenix already living within her from apocalypse because yeah. if you know in the comics jean gray and the phoenix are two in one like banner and hulk yeah. you cannot have banner without hulk you cannot have hulk without banner you cannot have jean gray without phoenix you cannot have phoenix without jean gray same thing and when Jean and when Jean becomes over emotional and she can't handle it, the Phoenix comes out and just wreaks havoc on everything. So okay, totally abandoned. Not only did they abandon comic lore, they abandoned the continuity of the previous X Men films, and I have a huge problem with that. Awesome. What's yeah. your take on it? Um. Uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of people that have <clears throat> genuinely, and I don't know if they're just going against the grain. Um, but they've enjoyed this movie, and, and their argument is, is well, this is a, a nice change-of-pace, small-scale X-Men film. Uh, and I agree. I, I do like the fact that it's different from the other X-Men movies, right? But to say that the Phoenix saga is good, it works on a small scale, goes against everything that the Phoenix saga was built for, right? My big issue with this movie is that everything that happens to these characters they expect us to care when we've had no time to build to care about them, right? Mm -hmm. Jean Grey, the one thing that worked about, and I don't think X-Men 3 is that good of a movie, but what worked about it is that we had time, to, two full movies to build with those characters, so we cared about Jean Grey. Mm -hmm. We got maybe one-fourth of Apocalypse to yes. build with Jean Grey yes. and Cyclops and Nightcrawler and all of these characters, and sure, the first 15 minutes I thought were pretty cool, right? right. The space battle we get to yeah. see. It kind of reminded me of the X-Men animated A show. A little I'm bit, like, oh, yeah. This, what's everybody complaining about? This is pretty cool. And then enters 
Vuk? Was that her name? Vok? Vuk. 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 Okay. Vuk. 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 I guess. I don't know. One of the worst villains I've seen in ye- Jessica Chastain is an Oscar nominated actress. She's great. She's horrible in this movie. But yeah, I thought her lines, Damn. her delivery was just like it was. It was Awful. like it was like painful to watch. Dude, it was so cringe. And prior to that point, I was like. Oh, and you know, you guys know, the, the whole year I've been, I don't think this movie's going to be good. I haven't thought it was going to be good because we had heard the rumors about the reshoots and the, and now it came out, rewriting the script on set yes. every single day. I mean, that's not good. Now, I'll give them this, the end battle on the train, even though it's kind of lame to have a train battle instead of a space <laughs> battle. Okay, whatever. Um, Can we just take them to a trampoline park? That would be <laughs> that, I, It would at least Let's be take them fun. to Sky Zone and let them bounce around on trampolines all day. I think <laughs> hey, that'd be freaking awesome. I'm down with that. Yeah. But superpowers I'll, and trampolines. Be more say, entertaining. Sorry, well, Lindsay, you said superpowers. The superpowers on display were cool, man. Nightcrawler's powers were great. My big issue with that is where the frick was Quicksilver? Oh, man. Dude, he stole Apocalypse. He stole Days of Future Past. Where was he? Dude, his whole... I felt bad for him, the actor that played Quicksilver. It was a wasted character. And so, if... if, All right, let's unpack that just for a second, because you really hit it. So, Quicksilver, there's a scene where uh, Jean Grey visits her father. She finds her real father, her biological father. And they never picked back up on that, by the way. They never kind of did. Strong. They left that one dead in. I'm like, well, there's some story there. Come on. And so okay. she walks out of the house, and she's all emotional, and she can't control her rage. And, and so the X-Men show up. And, you know, she's like she's like throwing fire and just demolishing boards and beams and all kinds of crazy stuff. And uh, so they show up, and then Quicksilver's there. You know, he walks out of the Blackbird, and they're all getting ready to confront Jean Grey. And then here's That's Quicksilver. Cool. Quicksilver, you know, everything's exploding because she loses control. Jean Grey loses control. She starts blowing up the houses that are on the street and fire and everything. And then Quicksilver, you know, he, he does his really cool thing where he's running through in yeah. time. Love that. It was a scene like almost out of when, when Henry Cavill came back to life in Superman and Flash was running around and then Henry yeah. Cavill just kind of looked up at her and smiled because Superman can move as fast as Flash. It was the same instance. So so here's Jean Grey, she's floating, and she sees Quicksilver coming, and everything's in pause mode because he's running so fast, and she just kind of looks and just... Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, they stole that from Justice League. What the heck? thousand percent. Oh, my God. It was so... It, anyway, Quicksilver, she just quickly done one of these things, and Quicksilver was gone for the rest of the film. Dude, I didn't even see him get that hurt. I thought he just fell. I like well, they they, they they rushed him out in a gurney or some kind of... He's on a stretcher. Like, yeah. What, what, what happened, man? He's on a stretcher. <laughs> so here's Quicksilver on a stretcher, and we yeah. don't see the actor anymore. And the here's the moment that really could have impacted me if it wasn't completely ruined before the movie. I don't know <laughs> if this was ruined for you guys. But they completely spoiled Mystique dying. Like, they came out oh. and said it before the movie. They said it. They said, yeah, Mystique's dead. Like... But here, here, so here's what I thought. I thought, you know, Mystique's going to die, but there's got to be something else, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So they're saving this big spoiler because, the, no, she's the only character that died. Like, this is the last movie in the franchise, and you went back and did reshoots when you knew it was the last movie. Kill somebody. Give me stakes. If Magneto would have died, 
when she was threatening to crushing kill his him, helmet or something. Yeah, crushing his helmet. She said, "I'm going to kill you," and then she just tosses him out a window. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> kill the man. That's so lame. Like, and he just like flies. He goes, "Oh," he just flies backwards so slowly. I'm like, "You just said you could crush his crush his face." Yeah, crush his face because that display of power tells me that Jean Grey is way stronger than Magneto. Instead, she's like. Well, I mean, I think Jennifer Lawrence's character, I, I, honestly, I will say this, though. I thought it was one of the best paint jobs on Mystique from the yeah. three franchises. It looked it really fantastic. cool. looked great. It looked awesome. And then Beast looked great. Yeah. yeah, Beast was amazing. And But Jennifer Lawrence, I mean, come on, it's Jennifer Lawrence. You want to keep her around. She's an asset. And yeah. they killed her off right, at the, right in the first, what is it, 30 minutes of the film? Gone? Nevermore? And then, so here we have Quicksilver is gone. He's he's escorted out in a stretcher. He's probably in a nursing home by now. And then uh, Mystique <laughs> is Jennifer Lawrence is probably that was the role that probably made her entire career go down the toilet. Yeah, she so she's never going to act again. She's going to be like Alicia Silverstone. We're never going to hear from her again. <laughs> and <laughs> Joe's being real now. Let's unpack this. But she's, I mean, it's gone. just it's just sad. It was just. A loss of opportunities because these actors yeah. that are in these movies, I got to turn my fan on. I'm getting hot now. These actors, <laughs> these actors that are in these films, man, they're really good actors, definitely, and definitely. and use their potential. But you start going back to to what was the name of Vuck, uh, the 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 actress that you were talking Jessica about, Chastain. Jessica Chastain. Yeah. You can tell the dialogue was quickly Oof. written and Oof. not well thought out. Just by the delivery of her, you know, oh she was. God. It was almost like they told her on set, "Say this," and if that doesn't work, say something else. And she's just yeah, like, "I am going to kill you." Dude, so <laughs> slow and methodical, and but not in a creepy way, just in a "I'm bored" kind of way. Listen, yeah. the the actors in this movie, you could tell, except. I think Fassbender and McAvoy actually wanted to be there, but everyone else, as talented as they are, I can just kind of tell they didn't want to be there. There's a scene where Nicholas Holt is supposed to be displaying emotion, and he's a phenomenal... He almost oh, yeah. got Batman, right? But he just... I didn't buy it, right? I bought McAvoy. I bought Fassbender. I didn't buy him. And you can tell everyone's just tired. They know this is the last film. Uh, Simon Kimberg, who... He's great talent-wise... But Fox put him in a really bad situation. They gave him this big-budget movie, um, this big-budget movie that's going to lose a lot of money as his first directing gig. And just because he's Aww. a talented writer, right? he's been back and forth. He wrote Fantastic Four, but he also wrote Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you're a talented writer does not mean you can be a great director. And I thought his directing was a little weak, right? He, mm-hmm. I think he displayed comic elements really well with the fights and the display of powers and the scene at the beginning and, and even the train scene I thought was pretty cool. But from an acting standpoint mm-hmm. and a story standpoint, I, I just did, I didn't buy him as a director. And I think this movie at the end of the day falls flat because no one cared as much as they should. And it's sad to see with this cast because this cast is just the best. And see, you, you really hit the nail on the head just in Austin. As we're wrapping up the, the, the thought process, I mean, there's a lot we could unpack with Dark Phoenix, but yeah. why? Yeah, They wasted 20 years of a franchise on a film that yeah. many people, many of them didn't even want to make. Yeah, And the only, I would say the only two or three that had the passion in there would be Nick, uh, would be Holt 
Fassbender and McAvoy. Those were really the only. Well, Sophie Sophie Turner. I, I, Sophie she Turner. Tried. She did a phenomenal uh, job did. as as yeah. as Phoenix. I'm not going to discredit her role at any at all. Um, but all the supporting characters and stuff is just like, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm you. You know what I will say though, I didn't hate this film as much as I thought I would because of those fun elements. X Men Origins, right? I hate worse. Absolutely. Some yes. people were trying to tell me this is clearly the worst X Men movie. I'm like, uh, have you seen no. X Men Origins? Have you seen the mouthless no. Deadpool? They, yeah, they didn't sew anybody's mouth shut in this no, movie. No. I think it's a better film. And I, I, it's not like in my top ten worst of the year or anything like that. I mean, I've seen some stinkers this year, <laughs> but it's still, it's still not quite there. I still don't think it's a good movie. I could see how you have some fun. It's just to me, it's a lazy movie and it's stale. And that's I don't want a stale X. Would you say safe? Fun. Would you say safe? Oh. Yeah, the, the, they played it more safe than any superhero movie I've seen in a long time. I right? think I think it almost reminds me of Brightburn. They could have they could have yeah. they could have went yeah. really crazy with it, but yes. they gave it a very predictable yeah. ending. I think I think Brightburn's a better made film, but I'm right there with you on the fact that they could have just right make even make this an R-rated film and have Jean Grey be the phoenix yeah right do what she should be doing from the comic books but they just didn't do it she pushes some people really slow and they just well you know let's give our review and then i'm gonna (laughs) i want to have us about five minutes where me you and Lindsay we talk a little bit about the x-men franchise as a whole yes all right i like that so austin i'm gonna go with what was the number i want to have to say 51 percent okay I, I'm very close to you. I'm a 46. I'm a 46. Dang, I'm a little, dude. Dude, we're, we're, we're really like, close. what the heck? We're like five apart on everything today. <laughs> Seriously. That's insane. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, average, little less than average because they didn't care. But then again, it's not a three out of ten like I thought it was going to be. So, hey, that's that's good. So, right? yeah. um, how, how does this measure up to the Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes Boy. bashed it way too much. I think it's better. Well, yeah. see, the thing about Rotten Tomatoes to me is, is most of the time their conglomerate score is just so. I think it's at like a twenty-two right now. So that's it's not a two out of ten, right? It's a twenty-two percent of people gave it a six out of ten or higher, and the other seventy-eight percent of people gave it below a six. So all of that seventy-eight could have given it a five out of ten. But yeah. then you go to the average score, and I'm pretty sure the average score is really low, too. So in terms of average score, I, I think they are bashing it a bit much, and especially the people that are saying it's worse than Origins. I'm like, no, no. no. <laughs> no. Go back that- and rewatch. No, and this will be an excellent movie I will own in my collective archive because, you know, it, and yes, I do own yeah. Origins. I own Origins on Blu-ray, but at, at the same time, you know, it's, 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 it's a climactic end of 20 years of X-Men. Yeah. Speaking of which... Um, give me your top two X-Men films of all time. Dang. All right, so think think about this, and as we wrap up, your top two X-Men films of all time. Now, this can include The Merc with the Mouth. Also, when was the first time you ever learned about X-Men? Ooh. How old were you, and where were you at? Okay. Okay? I got it. All right, so it. as you're thinking about that, I'm going to go first. That why you guys, I want to set the bar here. All right, okay. so my favorite X Men film of all time is definitely, and I, I don't don't you Deadpool haters don't Days of Future Past. Days Yay. of Future Past is beyond my favorite. Just how they set up the the whole time continuity, and you have the old cast and the new cast. 
and they had already set up the new cast in first class, so we already know who those guys were. I mean, I went back and watched this movie the other day, and I'm like, wow, what a thriller. I mean, and can we just give it up for Hugh Jackman? Oh, my God. Hugh Jackman is amazing, which will lead me up to my second favorite Marvel film of all time. And don't get mad at me, Deadpool haters. Logan. Yeah. Logan is my second. So first class and Logan. And and then number three, if, if you want to do honorable mention, would be Deadpool 1. So, and the first time I ever watched X-Men, uh, let's see, first time I came to X-Men, my mom and dad one year in Christmas around 1987, J.C. Penny, this is going to be crazy, flashback for you guys, J.C. Penny catalog came out with the Christmas catalog every year around the end of October you would get the catalog in the mail all right so the JC Penny and Sears catalog came out and they would have this thing in the toy section collect comic collectors set and you would get 25 or 30 comic books a little storage book you get some bags and get some boards and you get a couple little things it's like a set for like 20 bucks it was nothing and so my mom and dad got me that it was the first time I ever got a collector set and um, in that was an X-Men comic. And uh, the uncanny X-Men had this picture of Havoc on the front of it. And he was just like, you know, his, his chest was out and his, his sense things was coming out of his chest. And I was like, what is this all about? And about four years later, Jim Lee released X-Men number one, which catapulted the franchise and launched the animated series. So uh, that would definitely be my favorite two films. And that's when I was first exposed to X-Men. Uh, let's go with Lindsay. Okay. Um, it's really hard for me to pick. I really like all of them overall. Uh, obviously, some are better than others. You got to pick two, though. I know. It's difficult. TikTok, um, TikTok. Uh, Deadpool 1, definitely nice. on the list. But the second one I've been struggling with, I think I'm going to go with Wolverine. Ooh, the Wolverine? I think that's the one I'm going to go with, yeah. And then um, to... Uh, Are you talking about Logan or the Wolverine? Like, the Wolverine. Nice. Like, oh, wow. the, yeah, like, when we first met Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, that was, like, epicness. Nice. And then, um, the, the as I said earlier, the cartoon series was, like, my first introduction. You were a cartoon? Okay. The, uh, yeah, the cartoon nice. was my first intro to the X-Men land in the... Uh, and it was super awesome. So. I dig it. Yeah, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Nice. Mr. Burke below. What's up? Okay. So uh, my number one favorite X-Men movie is is one of my top 15, 10 movies of all time. And that's Logan. I think Logan is a friggin' masterpiece, man. I, I just love it so much. It's beautifully filmed. It's all uh, everything I love as a filmmaker, lover of film. Uh, plus, it's about a superhero, so I think that's really cool. And then number two, with Deadpool coming very close, but I had to go with Days of Future Past. Oh, Days of go, Future yeah. Past. I, nice. I, I, I think this is a uh, bringing together both casts and having Hugh Jackman as the lead. Just the best. Wait, we, had, just, the, we had the same top two, but just in reverse did. order. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Did. We're rolling today, we're, man. We're weird, dude. We're really <laughs> synced up. Well, it's it's hard not to put Deadpool in that top two because I love it so much. So, yeah, those are my top two. And then being introduced to X-Men actually was not X-Men the Animated Series. It was X-Men Evolution, the series that came after 
X-Men the Animated Series. This is the series where they're all in high school. It's like Nightcrawler. I remember and that. Spike and all these guys. That's what introduced me. And then after I watched that whole show when I was like seven or eight years old, I went back and mom got me, um, I guess, the VHS or whatever it was at the, the time. Series. The first season of the original X-Men series. And I fell in love with that series. And I still can't pick. I think nostalgia tells me evolution but i know the other one's a better series but that's what really introduced me and then i got this x-men graphic novel when i was like nine or ten years old and so i would cut out all of the characters and i put them in a little ziploc bag and i carried them with me wherever i went like when i went to my grandma's and i'd take them out of the bag and i'd have like havoc and cannonball and nightcrawler and i'd play with them like action figures that is the cutest thing ever wow I, I don't. I I'm really concerned right now. One that you're cutting up a comic book, which, which I know, I, 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 I heard and two that you're playing with paper. Them. You're playing with paper as if it was an action figure. Right? Paper dolls. It was like that. It was kind of like that. The, the harder paper, but I played with them like they were toys. I nice. I still play with them today. So. Peanut butter, jelly stains, and all, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's fun. Well, so we we uh, we gave our official rating of, of Dark Phoenix, and 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 you know, I know we're bashing on it and everything, but it is a film that you do need to see for yourself. It is the finality of the Fox X Men franchise. Having said that, uh, it's definitely not our favorite, but it is one to see. So don't discredit what we said. Go see it for yourself and make your own conclusions. Okay, we want to encourage you guys to do that. Don't just go off what me and Lindsay and Austin say. Uh, see the movie for yourself and go in there and get some popcorn and enjoy it. And the whole thing is, if you're losing the point and being entertained by the film, yeah. then, you know, don't get caught up in all the conspiracy and, and the hyperbole. Just enjoy it for yourself, okay? Yeah. All right, sweet. All right, so we're going to wrap this thing up. But, uh, man, can you believe an hour? As It's just, boom, oh, gone. It's just every, every time we get together, we just, yeah. you know, smash out an hour super quick. Yes, indeed. All right, so we're going to wrap this thing up. Austin, you want to you want to pull the trigger for us, bro? All right. So I'm Austin Burke at the Burkinator. You guys can search and find me on the Twits and YouTube. <laughs> uh, funny story: when I went and watched Dark Phoenix and IMAX, they actually accidentally played Godzilla for five minutes in the theater. So I think it's funny that we're talking about both of those movies tonight. When I had that really, experience. yeah, dude. I guess who was first up running to tell the people? I jumped up immediately. I'm like, this is Godzilla. Because I saw the Warner Brothers logo and I stormed out. I'm like, sir, they are playing Godzilla in there. So, yeah. That's we funny. fixed that problem real quick. Uh, we are part of an amazing network called the Gonna Geek Network. For all things even more geeky, head over to gonnageek.com and check out some amazing podcasts on our home network. Connect with us on social media. You guys can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and Pinterest, all at PopXCast. Send us comments and suggestions via email at popxcast at gmail.com. Also, for future and past shows, visit our official website at www.popxcast.com. Nice. And I'm Lindsay Badger. You can find me pretty much everywhere at LR Badger, all over the social places and the interwebs and the inner tubes and all the places. Inner tubes, ladies and gentlemen. You can find Badger and her husband with his magic cards in the inner tubes <laughs> of the galactic internet. Yes. Yes, it is true. And, uh, He'll be there still trying to convince me to play a game with him. But then he brings out that card that's worth $2,000. He's like, Lindsay, Bam! look at the holographic. Boom. So shiny. 
so pretty. Anyway, I am Joseph Burke, a.k.a. at Joseph Burke Arts, J-O-S-E-P-H-B-U-R-K-A-R-T-S, all over the internet. And, of course, hats off to Team Pop X. You guys, you two, brother and sister, couldn't do this without you. You guys make this show what it is. And that's it for this episode of Pop X Cast. I want to invite you guys to join us next in two weeks on the 23rd of June as we come back for Men in Black. And we're going to have another little sub-discussion under that as well. So we'll be talking a little bit about MIB and maybe something else that we have on the back burner that we're not going to just throw out just yet. So stay tuned for that. But from all of us here at Pop X Cast, thanks for listening. And thanks for downloading. And we'll see you next time. Anybody got any closing? Anything for closing? Anybody? No? I love y'all. Oh, you love them. God bless him. You thought the way. All right, guys, we out of here. Bye. From everyone at Pop X Cast, thanks for listening. Please make sure to like our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash popxcast, and click the follow button to get our live stream notifications. Drop us an email, popxcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check out this and more great content on the Ghana Geek Network at ghanageek.com. Get your geek on!